Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and this is a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they are. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. Uh, Had a wild Yankees game tonight. Uh, Just overall a good day. In a, in a general, excited to chat up some baseball here. Uh, we have quite an interesting story for the top of the show. And then, of course, the games to get to. And um, then at the back end of the show, as we have been doing, we're going to talk another trade deadline uh, rumor. Uh, we're going to be focusing on Chris Bryant today, which... Uh, is always a fun topic to talk about, uh, especially with the Cubs and how they're handling this this uh, rebuild and where Chris Bryant could possibly be going. So, LJ, what do you say we get right into this with this story we have at the top? Absolutely. And the story we have for you today regards the once pretty clear front runner for the American League Rookie of the Year, Yerman Mercedes who has just last night announced that he will be stepping away from baseball for the semi-long future. Now, recently, of course, to remind you guys of all what went down with him, of course, he comes up with 
the White Sox this year for the start of the year and comes out absolutely blazing bat. Ends up, Brandon, I believe he was up near or above 400 for just about the entirety of April. Yeah. Uh... Any, anyway, yeah, so he's above 400 for April. Absolutely fantastic numbers, though not a huge power threat, which is important later. We then get into mid-May in a matchup with the Minnesota Twins. During this game, it's an absolute blowout. The Twins bring Man, a, hot out here, here. a position. Uh, I don't know why uh, the ads on this CBS ad that uh, is not even on the tab that I'm on right now uh, thought it was a good time to play. So I, I, I apologize, but we can blame uh, CBS Sports for that one. He ends up coming up to bat with a position player on the mound during this blowout and absolutely smashes a home run, clobbers it to center field with the position player, goes around the bases, you know, gets his run. And a lot of people took issue with it because of the way the game is played, the classic respect for it. One of those people was his manager, Tony La Russa, publicly blaming him publicly talking poorly about his player and at one point insinuating that he was fine with him or at least or maybe even wanted him to get plunked for it which of course is completely inappropriate since then he has been batting well below the Mendoza line ends up getting sent down to the minors in late June mid-June yeah it's been it's been quite a while that he's since been. since then he has bet, been slashing something around 300 394 something in triple a so one would think hey we could be seeing a call up in the future but then today we get this on his instagram it is a black screen with the words it's over and then in spanish i will be reading word for word the translation instagram made from the Spanish to English here for you all. First of all, I want to thank God for giving me life to the fans that without them, I was nothing to my family for understanding me and always supporting Daniel Sue for getting me ahead. And by the way, ask forgiveness to all those who I offended fruit of my immaturity to the members of the radio, television, and press to all the teams I participated by not tolerating the decisions of them to everyone who as a human being, I failed. I apologize and thus walk away from baseball for a while. God bless you. Prayer hands. It's over. So that is at least a temporary retirement. And Brandon, if I gathered the same thing from that statement there, it sounds like the behavior of the press behavior of tony la russa the behavior of all the people who freaked out over that random home run in a mid-may game has completely ruined this guy's mental state like he obviously i mean frankly if i was in that position if i got that much scrutiny for doing something like that that even if even if it is the wrong thing to do i'm not saying it's necessarily the right thing to do that's another conversation it's not the end of the world. It isn't worth this much, but 
with the way the media and everybody freaked out about it, I would probably end up having a emotional breakdown over it. And obviously he is still being troubled by this uh, some two months after. It's really a shame, don't you think? Yeah, and, you know, this is a guy who, like you said, starts off the season so good. Uh, so I actually have the stats here for you. Through his first, first 38 games of the season, he was slashing 370, 417, 571. I mean, that's like I'm, – like, I'm sure when the All-Star voting opened up, he got quite a few votes to start because he was hitting so well. And just then his stats slowly went down. Uh, of course, he has the incident where he hits the grand – it, it, it was a grand slam, right, off a position player? I don't remember. Whether it was a grand slam or not, it hits the home run off the position. 3-0. Was it 3-0? 3-0 count. Hits the home run off the position player. Whether it was the right thing to do or not, I think we can all agree that the way that it was handled by everybody. Yeah, everyone included poorly. Uh and look, I mean, I I I think that it could have been handled a lot better ways because not only did we have Tony LaRussa getting on Yerman Mercedes. And saying, you know, the stuff about kind of insinuating that he would be okay with him getting hit. But if you remember, Lance Lynn, like, took offense to that for his teammate. And he was like, you know, like, I don't, like, appreciate my my manager saying stuff like that. Like, I didn't think there was anything wrong with what he did. And now you remember. Who's that? Tim Anderson as well. Right. Yep. I, I remember that now. Yeah. Tim Anderson, too. But if you remember Lance Lynn. LJ, that was a guy who was on the Cardinals, like when Tony was was coaching there to begin with. I mean, him and Tony Larusa go pretty far back. I mean, he's on that 2011 championship team with the Cardinals a little bit, and so to see him take offense to something that his his manager said was certainly interesting, and. From all that I've read, LJ, it looks like that the White Sox still haven't received any sort of notification directly from Yerman. Other than this Instagram post, he hasn't reached out to any sort of front office executive or any high high ranking official within the organization to tell them uh, this. They are aware of his Instagram post, but they haven't heard anything from him regarding his future plans but well uh, while while this that while i would probably give the team the respect of telling them first i can understand how that might have happened because i'm sure he probably would rather work through that stuff with his agent and he probably made this decision this evening the agent very well could have decided okay let's wait until the morning to announce this i mean this was five hours ago as of recording so 2 a.m five hours that's nine o'clock at night yeah it was, about like, that, it, yeah. It was, it was about nine o'clock at night eastern time that he made this decision so chicago eight central so by that logic i mean it's perfectly it would be normal for them not to have found out about it until the morning perhaps but he just decided okay you know what I've made this decision. I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to tell people. So I'm sure they'll hear something by the morning from somebody. Yeah, well, I mean, this is certainly... Uh... But we also, sorry to cut you off there, but we also should acknowledge the fact that we are as complicit in this as anybody else. Because at the end of the day, this shouldn't have been as big a story as it was. I mean, we spent at least two days for at least maybe I would probably have to guess 25 minutes out of a show that is usually 45 to an hour, 25 total minutes over two days discussing this story, discussing one home run in one game. So as much as we aren't like, we aren't the most at fault here, no, none of the media should have been covering it as much as they did. It got out of hand because they kept feeding the flame. No, I mean, what the the entire reason why why people were talking about it was because we've never seen a player hit a home run and his his manager get pissed about it. And you know, the last time we saw that was in the 2020 season with the Padres and the Rangers playing when um. Tatis hits the grand slam. If you remember, the only reason why that was a story was because Chris Chris uh, Woodward, the Rangers manager, he got mad about it, and then Jace Tengler, the Padres manager, actually like condemned Fernando Tatis after that game for doing that. Like that's why it was a story was because his his own manager got on his back for it. In this situation, it was the same thing where Tony LaRussa gets on Yerman for hitting a home run with the position player on the mound on a 3-0 count. And that's why people r- r- ran with the story is because, like, holy crap, like, is this manager really, like, not taking his player's side and something like this? Like, it's just... It was it was a big talking story for the the media, so it absolutely uh, made sense why people were talking about it. But uh, it shouldn't have it should not have have a blown up in the first place. And look, like if you want to look at the 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 butterfly effect of the whole situation, you could end up putting the blame on Tony Larusa. You could put the blame on the other manager who put the position player in in the first place. However you want to do it, this is just an unfortunate uh, situation here. And uh, I wish the best for Yerman Mercedes, who's clearly in a uh, tough spot right now. Absolutely. And one last thing before we move on, I completely agree with that. Yeah, thoughts and prayers. Hope everything's great. Hopefully eventually you decided to come back to baseball. I mean, we've seen plenty of guys do it from all sorts of different situations. I just hope this is a teaching moment for Tony La Russa because he has, granted, he had his concerns. He had his objections to what he did and he's fully entitled to those. I'm not going to necessarily tell him that he is wrong because of these rule the common rules and statutes of the way he wants to play baseball he wants his team to play baseball however there are so much better ways to go about it than the way he did and these are some of the very real consequences 
to putting such scrutiny over some, over one guy over something that they pretty well knew to be nothing. So hopefully he learns from this and realizes there's a time and place for everything and in the public is not always the best place. Absolutely. I think that's very well put. But uh, we got game recaps to get to. And I believe you have the Twins and White Sox first. Yes, we are starting right hot off with Yerman Mercedes's former team. And they started off a little cold, not scoring until the third. And that'll be after a Max Kepler solo home run, his 12th of the year. Adam Engel then puts their first run of the game in in the bottom of that inning on an RBI single. From there, Josh Donaldson and Jorge Polanco drive in a total of five runs in the fifth and sixth innings. Andrew Vaughn does add one more for Chicago, but a Nelson Cruz sack fly only brings that lead right on back to five. The Twins win this one seven to two. Give the win to Michael Pineda. Five innings, four hits, one earned, three strikeouts. The loss will be given to Dylan Cease. Five innings, seven hits, three earned, and five strikeouts. All right. The Giants and the Dodgers. LJ, we've been saying that this series was the most important, uh, at least one of the most important series this year. Uh, I'm going to say it right now. This game, heading into this game, was both the most important game of the year for the Giants and the Dodgers. The winner of this game would be the first team to 60 wins. Uh, Should the Dodgers win, they would be tied for the division lead. Should the Giants win, they will be up by two games on on the Dodgers for the NL West. So let's see what happened here uh, once again in L.A. And it was, uh, I forget what the, it was tied at one going into this game because it was a four-game series, uh, series finale tomorrow. Game three gets started with Mikey Yaz. Mikey Yaz. Home run in the top of the first inning. What a start. His 16th of the year, and it's one nothing Giants. Chris Taylor responds in the bottom of the first with his 14th homer of the year, and it's one-to-one. In the fourth, A.J. Pollock with an RBI double makes it two-to-one Dodgers. We jump to the top of the ninth. The Dodgers bring on Blake, or excuse me, they bring in Kenley Jansen to replace Blake Trinan, and he then allows a go-ahead home run to Wilmer Flores, a two-run bomb. Dodgers had the lead two to one. Wilmer Flores makes it a three to two Giants lead on his 11th homer of the year. Kirk Casale then draws a bases loaded walk. It's four two Giants that took all the wind out of the sail for out of the sails for the Dodgers as they are unable to do anything in the bottom of the ninth, only managed three hits in this one. And the Giants, the first team in the MLB to 60 wins, they now hold a two-game lead over the Dodgers. They could win three out of four should they win tomorrow. They win tonight four to two. Uh, the win goes 
to Jose Alvarez out of the Giants bullpen. Logan Webb, five innings, three hits, two earned runs. Uh, it should be noted the Giants bullpen did not allow a single Dodgers batter to reach base um, in the four innings that they pitched. After, after Logan Webb had five innings of three hits, uh, that was all the, all the base runners that they, the Dodgers would get. Three hits, three walks. That was it. And uh, the loss goes to Kenley Jansen, closes fourth save on the season. A third of an inning, three hits, three earned runs, and two walks for him. Julio Urias pitched a gem, seven innings, one earned run, five Ks. And the save to Tyler Rogers, his 11th. LJ, uh, big win for the Giants. Really, really tough loss for LA here as they could have really used this game as they would have tied it up and they could have had a tied NL West going into game four of this series tomorrow. Uh, yeah, just what's what's your take on this here? You know, I think, again, there is a lot more for San Francisco to lose by losing the division lead than there is the Dodgers. Because if I'm San Francisco, I can, I can justify spending more at the deadline to make this team legit, to make this team a real contender if I'm leading than if I'm down. And so as you're trying to take every single game you can, if they ended up going in here and losing this four-game series, I'm not saying that they're not going to buy. They're certainly not selling by any means. They're in this for the long haul. However, they, they certainly, I think, will be more willing to make big moves. And that doesn't go the same for the Dodgers because, Brandon, you can agree, there really aren't many moves for them to make. I mean, granted, they could go grab a bullpen arm or two. However, top to bottom, when that team gets healthy, it is one of, if not the best roster in baseball. There's not a lot of spots that you really need to shore up with them. So with that being said, that it doesn't matter if they're, I mean, granted, it'd be much better for them to be in first place, but it doesn't matter nearly as much if they are looking in a prime position going towards the deadline than it does for San Francisco, who with every win, with every bit of edge towards being the best team in baseball they have, the more incentive it is to spend. Yeah, and that's a great point about the the Dodgers because they are so hurt right now. Of course, Corey Seager on the IL, uh, Gavin Lux on the IL, Clayton Kershaw on the IL. And once you get those three guys back, I mean, this is like almost a fully functional lineup now. I mean, how often did, did we see at the start of the year where this, this lineup just wasn't full strength? I mean, what they put out there tonight is pretty close to a full strength lineup. Uh, they didn't play a Mookie Betts tonight. But other than that, I mean, Chris Taylor, Max Muncy, Matt Beattie, Cody Ballinger, Pujols, Will Smith, A.J. Pollock. I mean, those are guys that you expect to be in this lineup every single day without the exception of Betts and Justin Turner. But you're absolutely right. Forget Trevor Bauer. Throw that whole situation out the window. This is the World Series winning team in 2020. 
this is the best team in baseball when they're fully healthy. I just wonder if we're going to be able to see this team at its full potential for long enough prior to the playoffs starting. Again, do you even need to see it at its full potential long enough for the playoffs to start? I mean, it's even even I would at, like to see it for even like at, the last month. I, I I would like to see a really nice postseason push. I'll say that. Yes, but I either way, I think this Giants team is more than good enough to defend if they have two and a half, three games on the Dodgers, fully healthy for a month, both teams. This team is more than good enough to do that. So I if this team was healthy, I would not instantly expect them to be deleting the division. So by that logic, it just comes down to if you are in enough shape to win one game. And the healthiest Dodgers team we've seen was that first week against San Diego, and they looked very, very good against San Diego. I would bet on that team very often to beat the Padres there. So I'm not overly concerned about when these guys come back. They just have to, they just have to be ready when they're there. Because all, all that matters is one game. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that more than likely – one of the three best teams in the National League will get knocked out in the wild card game, which one of, one of the four best teams in baseball. Ooh, hot take, hot take. No, uh, it's that's probably not a hot take at the, at the current moment, but I think at the end of the season, uh, it'll be a little hot. But I have the Marlins and the Nationals, uh, and in this one. Scoring doesn't get going until the top of the fourth where Joe Panic gets the good old hit into a double play, but net run out of it. It's one nothing Miami. In the fourth, Andrew Stevenson doubles to make it a one-to-one game, ties the game up for the Nationals. We are uh, tied at one all the way through the ninth inning. We get a little bit of Manfred ball. Top 10, Jorge Alfaro with an RBI double. Drives home the Manfred runner to make it 2-1. to Miguel Rojas with a sack fly makes it 3-1. to And the Marlins take this one by that score, 3-1. to The win to Dylan Floro. Nick Neidert, five innings, one earned run. He got the start. The loss goes to Brad Hand, who went two innings, allowing a one earned run. Eric Fetty, six innings, no earned runs, and four strikeouts. And Yimmy Garcia with his 14th save on the season. Next up, we have the Boston Red Sox taking on the Buffalo Blue Jays. Scoring starts after two scoreless, including a nice get-out-of-a-jam situation from Robbie Ray in the second with a piss missile for Kike Hernandez. This one, a clean line drive to left field, scores two, puts them up 2-0, just in time for Rafi Devers to send another piss missile, his 24th, number 2-4 for the Prince of Piss Missile, and it is now a 3-0 ball game. Vladdy Jr. ends up hitting a solo shot in the bottom of the fourth, to make this a 3-1 game before the very next inning. 
we had a very rare sighting. The ice horse was in town and he came to play a piss missile onto the roof of the bullpen in right center field. It is now a 4-1 ball game before Christian Vazquez hits an RBI single in the top of the sixth. Unfortunately, Alex Cora decided to stay with Garrett Richards a little too long and things got a little dicey after he gave up home runs to George Springer and Teoscar Hernandez in the bottom of the sixth inning to cut this to a 5-4 game. But right at, but soon, not too long after that, in the top of the eighth, J.D. Martinez with an oppo taco piss missile followed directly by a Hunter Renfro piss missile, number 15 on the season for him. And this is a 7-4 Red Sox lead. And that's the score they win it by. Give the win to Garrett Richards, five and two thirds, four hits, four earned, five strikeouts. The loss will be given to Robbie Ray, five innings, five hits, four earned, four strikeouts. The save will be given to Matt Barnes, his 20th of the season in his and Adovino's first appearances since the All-Star break. All right, uh, Padres and Braves, they have a double header. Uh, in game one, scoring would get started in the top of the fourth with a Ha-Seong Kim sacrifice fly to make it one nothing Padres. Fernando Tatis Jr. rips his 29th homer of the year in the top of the fifth. That's a two-run home run, and that makes it 3 nothing Padres. In the bottom of the sixth, the Braves score two runs. They get one on a passed ball, the next on a sack fly from Austin Riley. However, that's all they get in this one, and the Padres win it three to two. The win to Chris Paddock, five innings, three hits, no earned runs. The loss to Kyle Muller, four innings, one earned run. And the save to Mark Melanson is 28th on the season. In game two, Scoring would get started in the top of the first with Eric Hosmer. Uh, he had a sack fly that made it one nothing Padres. Will Myers then with a bases loaded walk to make it two nothing Padres. Haseon Kim would then double scoring two and it's four nothing Padres. Then in the top of the second, Jake Cronenworth is able to rip a single makes it 5-0. The Braves then get four in the bottom of the inning. They get one off the Guillermo Heredia double, one off a sack fly from Orlando Arcia. They get a double from Ari Adrianza and a Jock Peterson single. And it would be 5-4. to four. They would then play through uh, up until the bottom of the fifth inning. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, I get it. 
I used to be the one planning my day around finding a bathroom and living in fear of an accident. I tried the pills and pads, but they just weren't working for me. If you're living like I was, it's time to find an expert physician and ask them about Axonics therapy. It's not another drug, it's an advanced therapy that is proven to provide lasting relief for overactive bladder. Still not sure? You can even try it first to make sure it works for you. You're not alone and you don't have to put up with this anymore. You just have to take the first step towards finding real relief. Visit findrealrelief.com to find a bladder specialist. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonics therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Uh, they complete the top of the fifth inning, and this game gets suspended for rain and will be resumed tomorrow, I believe. I have not seen as to what time or uh, they will be resuming this tomorrow, but this uh, doubleheader will be completed. Let's see if the Padres' Twitter account has posted anything. Um. It doesn't say anything about them resuming the game, just that it's been suspended. So, yeah, I don't know. Eventually, this game that's in in limbo will be finished. Um, Give them a sec. (laughs) Yeah. No, we can um, absolutely do that. Uh, Yeah, but hopefully this game doesn't just end up disappearing out of thin air. We'll have to keep a tab on this one. Yep, let's keep on cruising through the rest of this. Next up with the Rays and the Orioles. Austin Hayes gets scoring going with an RBI double in the top of the first before Randy Rosarena goes yard, making this a bingo and a bango for him. Two homers, two days. Joey Wendell hits an RBI triple to give them the lead in the bottom of the second. After this, Baltimore swiftly takes the lead back in the third and fourth with home runs by Pat Valeka and Ryan Mountcastle, only to see Randy Rosarena go deep again to tie the game at three. Ryan Mountcastle does give them back the lead in the sixth inning with an RBI single. However, an Austin Meadows single drives in two to tie and then win the game in the ninth inning, 5-4 Rays. Give the win to Colin McHugh, two innings out of the bullpen with three strikeouts. It was a Michael Waka day. Five innings, six hits, three earned, two strikeouts. The loss will be given to Tanner Scott, pitching the last two-thirds of the ninth, his second blown save of the year. Uh, From everything I'm reading about this situation, it looks like they actually might have to continue this Padres-Braves game later on in the season back at Petco Park uh, because the Padres and Braves are done playing in Atlanta for this year. And Padres don't have an off day tomorrow, so they can't play this tomorrow as they will be in Miami. So it looks like that We're going to have the Padres Braves finish this game at some point this year in Petco Park with the Padres as the away team for an inning and a half. I hate that so much. It would, uh, 
Well, I think the Rays and Mets one, or the Yankees and Rays one time played in City Field or something like that. There was some random game that got played in City Field that was pretty pretty interesting. I I, I don't know. I just feel like if you can't figure it out to get it at the home park, you don't deserve the home side. Well, to be fair, you do want the Padres. Like, if the Braves have another West Coast trip, it absolutely makes sense. If the Padres aren't over on the East Coast anytime soon, well, I don't it, think it's very necessary to fly them out from San Diego all the way to Atlanta to play an inning and a half. Well, no, but I also highly doubt that they they have no East Coast trips the rest of the year. Like, it, there's still a lot of the season to be played. They could find something. But I don't know. I just – it frustrates me to see it. Maybe it's just because I'm already pissy because – the game from yesterday got rescheduled at Fenway with Toronto as the home team, but it just doesn't sit well with me. Like if you can't figure it out, you lose the game. Well, you're not, making any, you're not making any money from it anyways. That's the real motivating factor. So, yeah, no, that is a good point. All right, Mets and Reds. Uh, this one was very, very one-sided the entire way. Jonathan VR homers in the, in the second inning to make it 1-0 Mets. Dom Smith with a grand slam in the third makes it 5-0. Luis Guillorme, two-run home run to make it 7-0 Mets in the fifth. That's your final score. And the real story of this one, Marcus Stroman, who got the win, eight innings, one hit allowed, no earned runs, and seven strikeouts. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful start from him. The loss will go to Jeff Hoffman of the Reds. Four innings, five earned runs for him. And the Mets pick up the 7-0 victory and one hit Cincinnati. One hit shutout. And... um. I have the next game, which is the Phillies and the Yankees. This one uh, had me absolutely biting my nails, but it is, yeah. Well, well, let's just get into it. Gene Segura, top one, first pitch of the game, hits a home run to make it one nothing. Philadelphia. Uh, in four games against the Yankees this year, he has, I believe, eight or nine hits. Uh, in the four games he's played against us, just absolutely brutal. Just tears it apart. Bryce Harper would then double in the third to make it two to nothing, Philadelphia. In the fourth, though, Glaber Torres uh, hits his sixth homer of the year to make it two to one. And then Greg Allen. No, uh, it is not. It's close. He didn't hit a home run yesterday, I don't believe. Yeah, he did. Is this really a bingo bingo Yahtzee for a guy who only has six home runs? I could have sworn he no, had one yesterday. he did not have one yesterday. No. Oh. 17th, 18th, and then on the 20th, he didn't have one. So, because they didn't play on the 19th. But then the best player on the Yankees, Greg Allen, rips a RBI double to tie the game. Brett Gardner scores from first, and it's two to two. In the seventh, Giancarlo Stanton rips a single. Rubnet Odor then homers, and it's 
five to two, an absolute moonshot from Rugnetto Odor with the bat flip included, and it's five two Yankees. They then choose to bring in the great pitching lineup of Nick Nelson for the eighth inning. Certainly, uh. Not the guy I thought would be replacing Zach Britton when he got in trouble, but hey, we're going to roll with it. And Nick Nelson allows the game to get tied. Luke Luke Williams singles off him. Uh, that scores two runs to make it 5-4. We then have a wild pitch to make it 5-5. Five to five. And guess what? We'd be tied and we'd go to extra innings. The Yankees call on Aroldis Chapman actually for the ninth inning. He pitches a clean inning, uh, and we go to extras. Top 10, Philadelphia unable to do anything. In the bottom of the 10th, it only took two batters. What do you know? The Yankees play good extra inning baseball. Sacrifice bunt by Glaber Torres to move Gary Sanchez to third base. We then... Bring in pinch hitter Ryan Lamar for Brett Gardner. He rips a single. That's the game. Walk-off single for Ryan Lamar. The Yankees win 6-5. to five. The win to Brooks Krisky, who pitched the 10th inning for the Yankees in probably the highest leverage situation he will see in his entire career. The loss will go to Ranger Suarez, who has been not shaken very often this year. Uh, still has a 1.18 ERA. The start for the Yankees went to Asher Wojciechowski, called up from AAA today as the Yankees needed that spot start. Four innings, two earned runs. Uh, Spencer ha- or Sam Howard got the start for the Philly- Phillies. Spencer Howard, excuse me, three innings, no earned runs for him, but the Yankees pick up a much-needed two-game sweep of Philadelphia. They play Boston tomorrow, and I will be at Fenway to see it. So should be a fun one. Very exciting. Next up, I just completely missed it. Which game I had? Rangers. The Rangers and the Tigers. Texas and Detroit. Scoring will start with another disgusting Dinger for Robbie Grossman. That has to be a bingo, bingo, Yahtzee. That's gross man. Stop strikes again. I do not think it's a bingo, bingo, Yahtzee. However, I will check. I'm 90% sure that's two thirds of the way. Oh, brutal. One, two, two, two. Okay. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Big day tomorrow. We could have the most disgusting bingo, bingo, Yahtzee of them all. Anyway, Texas does get on the board in the top of the second with an RBI double by John Hicks before Zach Short goes long, his fourth homer of the season. David Dahl hits a double to cut the deficit to one before Akil Badu gets Badooing his thing once more, his eighth homer of the year, and it gets us to our final four to two Tigers. Give the win to Matt Manning, six innings, four hits. Two runs, only one earned, four strikeouts. The loss will go to Jordan Lyles. Seven innings, six hits, four earned, five strikeouts. 
the save will be given to Gregory Soto, his 10th of the year. Yeah, with that, the Tigers have now won six in a row. The Rangers have lost eight in a row. All right. Uh, up next, we have the Royals and the Brewers. And in the top of the fourth is where we get started. Andrew Benintendi with an RBI double. Hunter Dozier with a single makes it 2 nothing KC. In the fifth, the Brewers are able to take the lead. They get a sack fly from Rowdy Telez, Christian Yelich double, and a Willie Adamas ground out. It's 3-2 to two Milwaukee. In the sixth, the Royals tie and then take the lead. Hunter Dozier singles. Nicky Lopez with a two RBI double. The Royals take a 5-3 lead. Jorge Soler caps it off with his ninth homer of the year, and the Royals win 6-3. The win to uh, Brad Keller, six and two-thirds, three earned runs and six Ks. The loss to Brent Suter, one inning, uh, three runs allowed, none are earned, though. And uh, Eric Lauer got the start five innings, two runs allowed, but also none were earned as the the brewers make two very costly errors in this one as kansas city picks up the win scott barlow with his fifth save on the season all right next next not next next we have cubs and cardinals cubs and cardinals is uh me so in this one, which was on Wednesday Night Baseball on ESPN, top three, Rafael Ortega with an RBI triple to make it. Ooh, baby, a triple. Ooh, baby, a triple. One to nothing. Cubs. We jump all the way to the bottom of the seventh. Harrison Bader doubles to tie the game at one, and then Dylan Carlson rips a double of his own, and it's 2-1 to one St. Louis. In the ninth, the Cardinals call on Genesis Cabrera to close it out as Alex Reyes uh, fell apart yesterday. And Eric Sogard rips a double to tie the game at two. We go to extra innings. Cubs unable to do anything in the top of the tenth. And then in the bottom of the 10th, leave it to Yachty to walk it off. RBI, single, walk-off, single. Cardinals win 3-2. to two. The win goes to, is this Seth McFarland? EJ McFarland. It's Seth McFarland. Seth McFarland. Seth TJ McFarland. The loss to Craig Kimbrell, who allows the walk-off in extra innings. Uh, Adam Wainwright got the start, seven innings, one earned run. And Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs, six and a third, two earned runs. But the Cardinals win it three to two. I'll tell you, we were going to we were gonna make the uh, name of this episode something about Yerman Mercedes, perhaps the roller coaster that is Yerman Mercedes. However, I am very, very tempted now to change this to Seth MacFarlane making – Big baseball moves. 
It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Love it. Absolutely. Next up, we have the Indians and the Astros. Top of the third, Cesar Hernandez hits an RBI double. From then on, Jose Altuve and Kyle Tucker go yard in the fourth and fifth. This is part of four runs that Houston puts on the board in the middle innings as they have this game tied going into the top of the seventh. It was in the top of the seventh that Cesar Hernandez went yard, a solo piece in his 16th home run of the year. The Indians defeat the Astros 5-4. to four. Give the win to Brian Shaw out of the bullpen. Morgan got the start in this one. Five innings, three hits, three earned. The loss for Houston will be given to Austin Pruitt. Lance McCullers Jr. got the start. He went five innings, allowing six hits, four earned runs, and eight strikeouts. The save will be given to James Karinshack, his 11th. All right. Uh, last two recaps. And then we should have about uh, 10 minutes or so. Yeah, 10 minutes or so to talk about the trade that we would like to get to. But Rockies and Mariners, Colorado puts up a five spot in the first inning. Charlie Blackman singles. CJ Crone walks with the bases loaded. And then Dom Nunez with a bases clearing double makes it 5 0. In the second, Kyle Seeger does homer to put Seattle on the board, but Colorado would score again in the fourth with a Rymel Tapia sack fly to make it six to one. Late homers from Luis Torrens and Mitch Hanniger are not enough, and Colorado walks away with a six to three victory. Austin Gomber with the win, six innings, three earned runs. The loss goes to Kenyon Middleton, who was the opener tonight for Seattle. One inning, five hits, five earned runs. Uh, certainly a tough night to use the opener, especially when the guy who takes over for you pitches five no-hit innings behind you. But, uh, hey, what are you going to do? And the save, the save to Daniel Bard, his 15th on the season. And lastly, we have Pittsburgh and Arizona. Arizona looking for the sweep of the Pirates. Certainly, I think that would be their first sweep of the season. And it doesn't start off good for the Diamondbacks. Jared Olivia with an RBI single to make it one nothing Pittsburgh. Brian Holiday then singles uh, to make it a one-to-one game. David Peralta in the third gives the Diamondbacks the lead on an RBI double. In the fourth, Jared Olivia reaches on a fielding error by Eduardo Escobar that allows two runs to score and Olivia to go to second, and the Pirates take a 3-2 to two lead. In the fourth, though, Arizona takes the lead back. They get a Nick Ahmed 
double and a Cole Calhoun walk, and it's four to three. The man of the show yesterday, John Nagowski, works himself a bases loaded walk in the seventh to tie the game back up at four until the bottom of the seventh, where Pavin Smith and Dalton Varsho both rip home runs for Arizona to give them a six to four lead. They're able to close it out and they, they complete the sweep of the pirates. Arizona has won three games. Actually, excuse me. Arizona has won four games in a row. Stop the presses, everybody. They have hit 30 wins. And with that, Every single team in the MLB has now eclipsed the 30-win mark. <laughs> Such an achievement. Such an achievement. They are the last team to 30 wins. The win to Brett DeGeis. Madison Bumgarner, five innings, one earned run. The loss goes to Dwayne Underwood Jr., and the save to Joaquin Soria, his sixth on the season. All right, LJ, would you like to reveal to everyone who uh, clearly couldn't read the title what our uh, trade is of the day? Guys, Chris Bryant is going to the New York Mets. Well, LJ, as you usually do, would you like to uh, first start off? Why would this work? Why is this the logical move uh, here? Um, well, Brandon, this is a team that, oh my gosh, I did not notice this until I was just looking at it. The Mets are 29th in runs scored this season. This is absolutely stunning for a team that has won 50 games. For a team that it's a three game, three and a half game lead in their division. Granted, the rest of the division has been absolutely terrible, but this is the most well put together and best form of anyone in their division and they have to capitalize on that they have to seal the deal and they have to live up to what everyone's been saying that they can be because they have a lot of talent on this roster granted their big sign big trade and sign of francisco lindor he's going to be on the il for an extended period of time however they still have a lot of chances and a lot of opportunity going into this postseason. You have a uh, great opportunity to grab a former MVP in Chris Bryant. He can You can plug him in directly at third base. You can then use that opportunity to move a guy like J.D. Davis or Louis, keep Luis Guillaume in short, maybe flip-flop between the two of them, whatever works best for you. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you have a decent roster for the rest of this year that can pull out this division win and move you towards the postseason. And once you get to the postseason, once really you get to September, you could have a really scary lineup here. Think about this, Brandon. You slot, gee, I don't know where I'm putting him. I guess I will put Chris Bryant in the three hole for this team. Okay. Yeah. With, with with Lindor's issues this year, I'll give him the three-hole in September. You've got Nimmo, Alonzo, Bryant, Smith, Lindor as your front five. And then you turn to a 
fingers crossed, fully healthy starting rotation that includes the man who just had the one hitter tonight, Marcus Stroman, Jacob DeGrom, the MVP candidate, Taewon Walker, who's been lights out this year, Carlos Carrasco, who's right on the precipice of getting healthy again. I don't think Noah Syndergaard's anywhere close, but yeah, right? No? Uh, yeah, probably not this year. I mean, he he's had that Tommy John surgery, like, right as COVID hit. So, like, think about that back in 2020. So, it's been quite a while, but when you think about him not being able to throw, like, literally at all last year, uh, kind of tough. No, because I, I got to check on this now. It's going to bother me. I just feel like if he was if he was going to be coming back, it would be like September, like if anything. Well, the thing, the logic I'm using here is um, Sale and Syndergaard had their Tommy John right about the same time. Yeah. September 1st is his potential date. Yeah, so all right, so, that makes sense. So Syndergaard, you would, you would now be able to put in a rotation going towards the playoffs of Jacob DeGrom, Marcus Stroman, Taewon Walker, Noah Syndergaard, Carlos Carrasco. And that's not even accounting for the fact that you have a young guy in Tyler McGill who has a 2.63 ERA through his first 24 innings. His first five starts have really been fantastic, more strikeouts than innings pitched, which isn't something you very often see with a young pitcher. So you all of a sudden go from not really having a rotation at this moment in time to having a wealth of weapons that all could be absolutely lethal in the postseason. So just shoring up that one spot on a team that already has so much potential could go a very long way. Yeah, and let's not forget what the starting rotation, like let's say that Carlos Carrasco is unable to come back. Like, look, I'm not very optimistic for – him this year just because he hasn't played at all um he's coming off of of course that cancer that he had and uh, look I mean he had a great 2020 really sucks we haven't got to see any of him this year let's say that he is unable to come back for the end of the year the Mets also have David Peterson on their IL who's a lefty kind of a change of pace guy that would be interesting to throw him in the rotation too. Of course, LJ, like you brought up Tyler Miguel, who is a young pitcher for the Mets as well. I think that it makes complete sense to trade for Chris Bryant. And it's kind of the, the thing where if, if you kind of just type in like MLB trade, trade deadline potential deals onto any sort of online browser, you're going to get a bunch of articles and they're going to be saying Chris Bryant to the Mets. And yes, it's a, it's a very logical uh, move for the Mets to make it, especially because the Cubs are trying to rebuild. We already saw they trade away Jock Peterson. They're going to trade Bryant. They're going to trade Craig Kimber, possibly more than that. The Mets have prospects to give up. Certainly they have a lot of, quality prospects even ones that aren't ranked in the top 100 uh still very high quality prospects and they certainly have enough to go out and get chris bryant you figure you can play jonathan vr at shortstop a little bit whether you pl platoon luis 
Guillaume, JD Davis, however you do it, you're you're not gonna the name JD Davis should not concern you that uh that he's at third base right now. Sure, he's a good hitter. Yeah, he had a great 2020, but you're you're gonna get a chance to trade for Chris Bryant, who he can play third, he can play the outfield. I mean, he can play first base. You can really stick this guy anywhere, and he's gonna play the spot. And when you have when when you're as good of a hitter as he has been this year and across his entire career, you don't you only get a couple chances to trade for a guy like that, and you certainly don't want to pass it up, especially where we see the Mets going really all in this year for the first time in a long time, really spending in free agency, getting over the 200 million mark for their payroll. And I mean, I would just love to see this Mets go fully all in, see that team at full strength, like you're saying, because that is certainly one of the scariest teams in the league. I mean, when you when that team's at full strength, LJ, me and you were having a little bit of a conversation earlier about how the th- three best teams in the NL could be, uh, two of them could be in the wild card game. This Mets team could be one of the best teams in the league at that point. Uh, and and I, I think that might have been what you were trying to allude to, but should they trade for Chris Bryant? I mean, this team is a legit threat to the Dodgers, Padres, Giants, because when you have Jacob DeGrom, number one, Marcus Stroman, two, Taiwan Walker, three, that starting three could beat literally anyone. And when you have a lineup as stacked as the Mets would at that point, if they can just get a couple runs across, they're sitting pretty. So it absolutely does make sense for the Mets to go out and get Bryant. Like I said, they absolutely have the prospects to go and do it. And Hey, why not? I mean, that's 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 really where I'm at right now. It's it's why not? Uh, but I think that is a great place to leave this episode off. Uh, just under an hour. Thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to check us out on Instagram, Twitter. TikTok, all at MLB Daily Pod. Uh, make sure to support the other shows with the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow. It will just be LJ, as I will be at Yankees Red Sox in Boston. I'll be back on Friday for the the both of us. And then it will just be me for Saturday's show. But yeah. Uh, Thank you for listening once again, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. 
Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.